This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. Okay, welcome back. This past week has felt super long for me, and I think that's because I haven't recorded in a couple weeks. Sorry I wasn't able to record last week, Good Friday and all. Wasn't able to get into the studio, had to spend time with family, you know how it is. But uh, hey, we got some basketball to talk about. March Madness is officially over, which is one of the worst sentences you can say if you're a basketball fan. But hey, we still got a lot of stuff going on, especially in NCAA. We still got the coaching carousel alive and well, and a kind of slow week in the NBA. Won't be able to talk about that much. But hey, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so first I'm going to go over the uh, semifinal game reactions. Final Four, of course, happened over the weekend. Really great Final Four for some people. The first the first day of the Final Four was great for me, but not so great on Monday. We'll get into it. But uh, first semifinal, of course, was Baylor-Houston. Of course, Baylor just stepped on Houston's throat and just uh, never, never let go. It was really impressive to watch, especially because... Well, it wasn't really impressive. I, f- I always felt like that Houston was kind of a week two seed. I had them losing, like, second round. So, again, my bracket didn't go well. My bracket's actually terrible this year. But still, Houston didn't really look as great as what they were ranked. But Baylor, of course, they did a great job on defense. Did really good containing Quentin Grimes, who was not necessarily an All-American, but he was one of the top players in the country. And they really did well with that, especially in the first half. And, uh... Going through stats, Baylor's bench really came through big, which was one thing that I kept forgetting about Baylor. I only focused on the three guards they had in Butler, Teague, and Mitchell, but they were incredible. The bench really came through, and um, that's that's the main reason why Baylor won the whole thing. Next up, we have Gonzaga-UCLA. This was one of the best games I've ever seen, like, no debate. Well, I mean, there is a debate because I said one of the best, but... It was one of the top ones. Incredible to watch. I was watching it inside a camper on a campground, and I thought I was going to get a noise complaint because I was screaming so much of this game. Um, but the thing is, I feel like UCLA would have easily won the game if Jules Bernard would have got going early. He didn't really have a good Final Four at all, and he didn't really... Well, I only watched the Elite Eight game on for UCLA. I missed a couple in between the first round and then. But he didn't really do great in the... Uh, Elite Eight game, and then he didn't do great in the Final Four game, so hopefully he'll be able to get better. He's still a solid contributor, just if he would have got going earlier, UCLA would have won. Kenneth Nwuba, I think that's his name. I sincerely apologize if I'm getting it wrong, but I'm not the best with names and trying to get them pronounced right. Um, he's the over- overlooked hero this game. He did really great guarding Gonzaga's big, especially Timmy, which was really the only one you really had to worry about when uh, Cody Riley wasn't foul trouble he did really great didn't score a point but he did the stuff that you don't see on the stat sheet that's really important and uh how about Jalen Suggs that was a heck of a game from from Jalen the UCLA game he did really great really alternative but the final four really made him a standout he's already a top prospect but now if he's not I would almost say I would take him over Cade Cunningham but some people really would really hate me for saying that but I really do think he's that great but the main thing about Suggs he didn't only hit that clutch shot well he hit multiple clutch shots but he didn't not only did he hit the game winner he had the clutch game saving block he did almost everything right on defense he was even he had 
everything he needed to on defense. He did just all the right things. He was even injured part of the way. You saw he was like holding his wrist a little bit, and then he looked like he got the wind taken out of him. So Jalen Suggs, that was a heck of a performance, and man, I cannot wait to see that kid play in the NBA. He's going to be so great. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's go on to the final game. Baylor wanted it more. I mean, what else can you say about the game other than Baylor straight up wanted it more? And I saw a tweet where they were even more motivated after Gonzaga was... They heard that Gonzaga brought in, like, two cartons full of champagne before the game. So, yeah, if you're Gonzaga, you really can't be doing that. And it looked like that they had it won before... They looked like they thought they had it won before tip. So, wasn't great for them. Of course, I get to hear it from IU people for at least another year that they're the last undefeated team, which again was 40 years ago, 45 years ago. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be really tough to happen again. That Gonzaga team was really good. And you can't even have the argument to where they don't play anyone because they played a lot of highly tied teams. They beat Iowa by 20. They were supposed to play Baylor in Indianapolis in December, which would have been a great game, which might not have led to any undefeated teams because if it would have been the same there, then wow, people would have been moving Gonzaga like down out of the top five probably. But um, again, going back to Baylor wanting it more, the offensive boards were 14 to one. I believe Mark Vital he had he had six or eight offensive boards to himself, which. Man, that's killer, especially when he's, what, like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's not that – he's strong, but he's not that big of a person, really, when you think of a big. But neither is Timmy. Timmy's like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, but he's not strong, so he wasn't able to – they kind of cancel each other out. Um, and, again, depth I completely overlooked. Gonzaga's bench is basically non-existent. But, hey, Baylor won more. Congrats to Scott Drew. Congrats to that whole program. Those guys are – I'm not going to lie. I – at the point, I didn't like watching them because I was rooting for Gonzaga. I was rooting for an undefeated team. But that was a fun team to watch, especially Davion Mitchell. Holy crap, he can defend anyone. It's incredible. But, hey, of course I'm upset with the outcome, but Baylor was a great team. It's not like it was the biggest upset ever for an undefeated team to lose, so... I'm happy with that. All right, I've missed out on two weeks of the coaching carousel, and quite a lot has happened. Of course, the big news coming out on Wednesday. Arizona finally parts ways with Sean Miller. They fired him, said, man, it's just not going to work out. We had pretty. I would assume it was almost like you kind of have too much baggage with you, so we're going to have to let you go. Again, after the FBI investigation, you it makes sense, but at the same time, they stuck with him for almost four years after that investigation started, so there's that, and if you guys want a great documentary to watch on the whole um, paying players FBI investigation, it's called, there's a documentary called The Scheme, it's on HBO Max, if you, get, if you don't have HBO, I'm sorry but maybe there's a free trial out there there's free trials for everything just forget to cancel it after like i don't know the first week or however long it is i don't know but that's a great one to watch the scheme it's really great and it talks about not only arizona but like lsu just all the people involved in it it's really great but if you don't have hbo max or you're not going to get a free trial to watch it let me tell you what happened sean miller was caught on tape talking to christian dawkins i believe his name was and he was Christian Dawkins, the guy who 
was trying to be an agent for players, but he was like going to send them to right schools, and then he's just going to have them be, he was going to be their agent once they went to the NBA. And the coaches would push them towards him being their agent. But the thing is, all schools pay players. It's really not that much of a secret. You've got to be really blatant to get caught with it, which is what Sean Miller did. He was caught on tape saying he was paying DeAndre, he was going to pay DeAndre Ayton X amount of money. There's quite a bit of people that were doing that. And they even said that um, he had, Dawkins asked Miller if he was going to get Nas Reed, who went to LSU under Will Wade, who was also a big role in that investigation. And uh, he said, no, he's he's going to LSU. Will Wade's pretty much just throwing the kitchen sink at him. He's insane. So paying players for the recruiting, in which I know it happens a lot in D1. I do not think it happens in uh, lower levels. It's just the top-tier players always get an extra amount of money just to pick a certain school. But um, looking back, I was wondering, like, yeah, he was paying players. Like, he got DeAndre and That was, like, the top player in the country at that point. Who else did he get? Because I was wondering, Arizona's always a solid team. They're always at least top 25 every year. Of course, right now they're in a they're in the middle of a two- to three-year postseason ban. So, But let's go ahead and just look at who all they had. Of course, they had DeAndre Ayton. They had Nico Mannion, Alonzo Trier. Of course, Mannion plays with the Warriors now. Trier did. He had a heck of a rookie year with the Knicks. I think he's kind of fallen off, but he did really good for, felt like, all year. Lori Markinen, of course, is a, uh, he was a highly touted NBA prospect. He went, I think, seven overall when he got drafted. He did pretty well for the Bulls for a couple seasons, but then he uh, got injured. Hasn't really been the same since. Stanley Johnson, he's a role player, but he was a highly touted prospect in high school. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, again, a role player, but he wasn't, I don't think he was that highly touted, but he turned into a pretty good player. Uh, Aaron Gordon, which I bet you forgot Aaron Gordon went to Arizona, but starter, I almost want to say role player because all he cares about is dunking, but, and he was pretty good at Arizona. Um, his 2012 recruiting class was very highly touted, but it ended up not being so great. Two names I remember off the top of my head are Caleb Tarzuski, who eh, he was alright, and Grant Jarrett, who was like, I believe he was like a first, like Slam Magazine, they do like a first team, second team, third team, All-American, and all mention. He was like a, he was their first or second team. He was really highly touted, but didn't living up to the hype, which is sad to say, but basketball's like that sometimes. Sometimes you're Darko Milicic, sometimes you're Carmelo Anthony, but who knows? Sometimes you're Sam Bowie, sometimes you're Michael Jordan. Yeah, it was just weird for the way basketball works. Other recruits, he had Solomon Hill. I don't want to say he's a role player on a team. He He's... He's a solid bench player, but it's not like the guy you want in your, like, top seven. You want him in, like, your the end of the bench, kind of. And Derek Williams. Derek Williams is the big one, of course. He might be one of the biggest busts in NBA history because he went second overall to the Timberwolves. I think he was in the dunk contest his rookie year. Didn't do much more than that. But he's an okay bench player. But Sean Miller, I believe that they named an interim coach, which is just an assistant they moved up in the system. I don't know if they're... I bet they're looking for someone. I'm curious on who they get. It will be interesting to see and see if they uh, turn around that program, like, try to have a better culture with, like, not paying players, which I would assume paying players slowed down in college, especially after FBI investigation. But there's some times where it's like, 
It happens a lot in the NBA, too, with GMs who don't tamper. Their teams are the worst because they try to follow the rules. So if someone tries to come in, change the culture, follow the rules, will Arizona fall to the bottom of the Pac-12? I don't know. It'll be pretty interesting to see. Next up, we have uh, Indiana hiring Mike Woodson. I'm going to be honest. As a Purdue fan... Mike Woodson is a great hire for Indiana. I'm not saying it sarcastically. I'm not saying, oh, because we're going to win a million games against them. Woodson would be, he's going to be a pretty good coach. He's really having almost all of his players come back. I think I, was, I saw Armand Franklin decide he's actually going to transfer to Virginia. But I think every other person in the transfer portal that I know of is staying, which is great for Woodson. He's really, which I mean, he's an IU alum. He knows the tradition, so I bet that's what bringing the players back. But um, the big one is say uh, Trace Jackson Davis is staying instead of testing out. I don't even. He's not even testing out the waters in the draft. He's he's staying. But I don't know. I'm kind of Trace Jackson Davis under Mike Woodson kind of scares me because I feel like he'll bring out his full potential. Of course, well he was a coach in the NBA. I mean he's gonna hopefully bring out the potential in guys. He was an NBA coach. He's gonna bring out the potential in Trace Jackson Davis especially, and I feel like he'll do it with everyone. So IU might be a interesting team to watch next year. I'm not gonna watch them. I'm only gonna watch them when. Purdue plays them, and then really, I the only way I'd watch them is if like somehow it would benefit Purdue, and I'm rooting against IU. Then I'm gonna watch them. But those are the only options I have. Next up, we have a uh, Hofstra is bringing in NBA. NBA former NBA player Speedy Claxton, and I'm really interested to see what like this era of bringing former players into their alma mater is what it does. Of course, you have Woodson going to IU. You have Ewing at Georgetown, who, I mean, he brought him to NCAA tournament, did a good job, but the last year, they weren't so great. Interesting to see. Chris Mullins, at, when he was at St. John's, not good. Just did not work out. Of course, you have Matt Painter at Purdue. He wasn't really a star at Purdue, but he's a former player. He's done a great job. And then, that's all I can think of right now. Yeah, that's all I can think of right now. If there's any ones I missed, comment on my post on Twitter and tell me who I missed. So, but yeah, I'm really interested to see how these former players will do it. Alma Mater. Next up, Porter Moser leaves Loyola Chicago to replace Lon Kruger at Oklahoma. But it's going to be interesting to see Moser going from the Missouri Valley Conference to the Big 12. Coaches have done it before. I mean, I mean, a coach has to start somewhere. Matt Painter, he was at uh, Southern Illinois before he went to Purdue, and he's been there. He's been at Purdue forever now. So, Porter Moser, I feel like he'll do a good job. He he knows what he wants in, in his players. So, like, you had Dante Ingram, Clayton Custer, Cameron Crutwig. Those guys, he really brought out everything he could in them. And at Oklahoma, you're going to get better recruits. So, it's going to be interesting to see how Oklahoma is in the next couple years. Next up, uh, this is not new, but I forgot to mention it whenever it happened. Penn State got uh, Purdue assistant Micah, Sh- Micah Shrewsbury. Congrats to Shrewsbury. I hope he does well. I'm gonna not gonna be. I'm rooting for Penn State, but not when you play Purdue. So just know that Penn State, anywhere a Purdue, it's almost like a coaching tree goes. I'm gonna root for them. So like, I root for Missouri because of Conzo Martin. I rooted for Vanderbilt for the longest time because of Kevin Stallings. I rooted for St. John's for the longest time because of Steve Lavin. Wherever Purdue people go, I'm going to be happy for them. I'm going to root for them. So, looking forward to seeing Penn State next year. And then, of course, whenever I say that something's just hearsay, 
It's not going to happen. It happens. Chris Beard decides to go to Texas. I didn't think he would jump from Texas Tech to Texas because he was building up Texas Tech. But then again, Texas. Texas is one of those schools where you look at them and you're almost like, it's almost kind of like a blue blood in a sense because they just make so much money off of like deals with um, athletic wear and they have like their own network and all that. So interesting to see Chris Beard goes to Texas. That team's going to be scary. Chris Beard scares me in general. Because every time I can only speak from experience, whenever Purdue faces Chris Beard, we lose. He was head coach at Arkansas Little Rock, and then he was head coach at Texas Tech, of course, where we lost to them. So interesting to see how that program is. I'm gonna spoiler alert: they're gonna be good. They were a three seed this year. They're gonna be good with Chris Beard's defense. Speaking of that, Texas Tech brings up assistant Mark Adams. I don't know much about Mark Adams. I've I've read he's in he's been in the program for a long time, so. He knows the culture. He knows what he needs to do. And everyone is looking to start a new era, even though it's going to be around the same culture with Adam. So congratulations to him. Next up, Tim Miles decides to go to San Jose State. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was the head coach in Nebraska. And he was, like, actually insane, like, on the court. Like, the way he coached was so aggressive and everything that it was really interesting to watch. Didn't really. It worked out in Nebraska for a couple years, but then they got kind of bad. Not kinda, they got really bad. He decides to go to San Jose State. He's had a year or two off. Maybe it's gonna be like a uh, Mike McCarthy type situation. Hey, I need a break, then I'll come back and I'll be mediocre with the Cowboys. <laughs> but I don't know, San Jose State could be at the top of their conference next year. Who knows? Uh, Minnesota brings in Ben Johnson after they fired Richard Patino. Don't know much about the hire, but congratulations to Ben Johnson. I'm hoping he can turn that program around. They have a lot of transfers. Jamal Mashburn transferred. Then I think Marcus Carr transferred, but then I also heard he's going to the draft, so I don't know, so I don't know how that works. But congrats to Ben. And with that, uh, Richard Patino decides to go to New Mexico. Don't know much about New Mexico. Just Patino. He it's weird with Richard Patino because I feel like he always gets compared to his dad, which is one of the things that I would would absolutely not like if I was in his position. It's kind of like Michael Jordan's kids, you know. Rick Pitino, he's Hall of Fame coach. He's taken multiple programs to success. Providence, Kentucky, Louisville. Been a terrible <laughs> coach and GM in the NBA, but people just forget about that. Let's just forget about that for now, even though he was really bad. But yeah, it's like Michael Jordan's kids. Like, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Marcus Jordan was not great at basketball. He went to UCF, and I almost think it was just because of his last name, or not even his last name, I think it was just because of who his dad was. Like, he didn't stand out at UCF. So, it's weird with Patino. I hope he does great, because I would really like to see him step out from his dad's shadow. Next up, Kevin Kruger is in at UNLV. Of course, he's Lon Kruger's son, who just retired from Oklahoma, well-respected coach around the world of basketball, not even college basketball. He's well-respected around basketball, and um, he's been getting, Kevin Kruger's been getting a lot of guys to transfer there, and by a lot of guys, I mean a lot of Big 12 guys. Jeff Goodman tweeted that Texas transfer Donovan Williams has committed to UNLV, the source told told Stadium. Williams is the fourth Big 12 player, McCabe out of West Virginia, Iwua Kaur out of Oklahoma, and Ham out of 
Texas to sign with UNLV since Kevin Kruger got the job. So he's already had an impact at UNLV. And UNLV, you got, well, you got one guy to live up to. You got to live up to Jerry Tarkanian, Tark the Shark, biting towels and fighting with the NCAA. (laughs) If you don't know about Jerry Tarkanian, please Google anything about Tarkanian. I might, I could do a whole podcast over just Tarkanian, but... If you don't know about him, it's really great. Good coach. But, yeah, Kevin Kruger has a lot to live up to in, in Tark's shadow. And also, I feel like it's kind of with Patino. He's going to be compared to his dad. So, good luck, Kevin Kruger. Already looking like he's got a solid program under him. And the biggest news of last week. I thought it was an April Fool's joke. I'm not even joking. It was on April Fool. It was the morning of. I remember I was walking through the University Center here at Trine, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I see Roy Williams retires. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, it was almost things was, it's like, okay, that's a good April Fool's joke because he's kind of older and, you know, kind of believable, so good on them. But then I saw Adam Schefter tweet it, and then I was like, this isn't April Fool's, is it? If you don't know Adam Schefter, he's an NFL insider. So when he's tweeting about Roy Williams retiring, that's when you're like, oh. <laughs> so I thought it was a whole thing of all the basketball and all the college basketball insiders just be like, yeah, Roy's retiring, whatever. It's April Fool's. But then when Schefter tweets it, <laughs> wow. But um, he's getting replaced by Hubert Davis. This is another guy who is coaching for his alma mater. He played there in late 80s or early 90s. My brain is not working today for some reason with history, with basketball history. But former NBA player, he's been under Roy Williams forever. It's a great hire just to bring him up. But let's talk about Roy Williams because he had a heck of a career. The biggest thing was that he's the only coach with 400 wins at multiple schools, which is Kansas and North Carolina. Don't think that'll ever happen again because, honestly, the reason that he left Kansas to go to North Carolina is because he is one of Dean Smith's. He's part of his coaching tree. So, like, when he has the opportunity to go back to his to where his career basically got started under one of the greatest coaches ever, you're going to go back there. And that's the other thing. He lived up to the hype of Dean Smith. Could you imagine following up Dean Smith it was like it's like the guy at UCLA had to follow up John Wooden. It's like you're thinking there's no way, but Roy Williams actually did. Like he did great. And it's just which I'm not sure how much scheme wise they're the same. That might have been part of it, but I mean still backing up one of the greatest coaches ever who's well respected everywhere you go is a great accomplishment. I would say put it on your resume, but he's seven years old, he's retiring. I don't think he needs a resume anymore. <laughs> Anyways, he had three national championships, all with Carolina. Yeah, he was an 18-time conference regular season champion, seven conference tournament championships. In 33 years, he made 30 NCAA appearances, which blows my mind. That's an insane number. Making it to a tournament alone is hard. Making it in 30 of 33 years, which again, yeah, he's at Kansas and Carolina. I mean, they're almost locks to make it, but... It's still impressive. Even programs like that have down years every now every now and then. He's and he's only had three of them. But going on, he had nine Final Fours, two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, two-time AP Coach of the Year, and he's a 1996-97 Naismith Coach of the Year and inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. Roy 
We wish you all the best. You were a fantastic coach, and I hope that you do even more of basketball. I'd love to have him be like an analyst, like ESPN, maybe the ACC Network, which is ESPN. But I'd love to see it. Wish you all the best, and happy retirement, Roy. You were amazing. So that's going to be it for this week's podcast, guys. So I promise that if I'm looking at my schedule right, we will be here on time. We'll be back to weekly to weekly posts for the podcast. So I'm sorry about the hiatus. Not really. Well, I mean, hiatus kind of. But sorry for that, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.